You both found love with each other. You believed in it, you fought for it, and you waited for it. And now, you're committing to it. Which makes you, right now, the two strongest people on this planet. Maybe in this universe. Adam, some big changes coming to Doctor Who this holiday season. Oh, that they are. Officially announced, because you kind of scared me last episode when we were talking about something and I had mentioned the Christmas special. And you're like, oh, there's not going to be a Christmas special. And I hadn't heard that news yet, so I kind of freaked out right in the middle of our recording and we had to cut all that out. <laughs> and and so, but today uh, there was an official, I guess that was maybe just a rumor that you had heard, but now it's been officially announced that... Yeah. There is not going to be a Doctor Who Christmas special, I believe, for the first time since 2005. Yeah, 13 years. 13 years of Christmas specials, and now we have none. Yes, which, I mean, would be more alarming if they weren't replacing it with something just a week later. Yeah, and that 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 right there is the reason why, yes, it's sad, but I've explained to someone else that... I enjoy the Christmas special, but there's also a couple other things that go on around the time that the Christmas special airs that usually prevents me from giving it its due diligence. Um, So having the episode a week later, it might actually benefit me in the long run. So I'm not too broke up about it, though sad that we aren't getting that that Christmas special. Yes, I'm very sad because it it became part of my family tradition, actually. Every year we would go to my mom, my mom's house for Christmas. And then that night after we got back from her house, after we put the kids to bed, um, usually my wife and I, and sometimes other people we would invite over would watch the re airing of the Christmas special because we'd always miss the original airing, which I think was somewhere around like 8 PM. Yeah. And then they would always do like a re airing of it, like later in the night, like 11 PM or sometimes even at midnight. And so we would stay up for that, and that kind of became this big thing where it was like the last thing we did on Christmas Day was watch Doctor Who. Okay. See, so. I I get that. For me, it was a matter of watching it via my season pass on iTunes, having to wake up the next day, and the kids are wanting to play with their toys and wanting to have family time, and I'm trying to figure out how I can convince them to go have a rest time or read a book or go play with your new Lego set so daddy can watch the Christmas special. And it never quite worked out as well as I hoped. So yours sounds like a much greater thing to give up than the hustle and bustle that I was trying to work around. Yeah. Sounds like you weren't even watching on Christmas day anyways. No, not at all. It was the uh, day after Christmas special. So they are actually, so if you are, really wanting to watch it on Christmas. You can still watch Doctor Who on Christmas. You just can't watch the, the special <laughs> on Christmas because they're doing, at least BBC America is doing a a full, I think a week-long marathon of Doctor Who. Did you know this? That's awesome. No, I didn't, I didn't see that. Okay. So I'm going to read uh, BBC America did a post today kind of giving information about what's going on, and I think I can just read through the thing. And it will give us all the information we need to know for anybody that needs to get caught up on what's happening here. But um, it says, kickoff 2019 in spectacular style with a New Year's Day special episode of Doctor Who on Tuesday, January 1st. Moving from its traditional Christmas Day time slot leading up to the first ever 
Who's year day? <laughs> B- <laughs> yeah, wait for it. Oh, um, nice. BBC America will present a Doctor Who marathon starting with all the Christmas specials at 12 p.m. Eastern uh, on Monday, December 24th. So you can actually watch all of the spe- Christmas specials back to back to back. That's okay, that's cool. kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Uh, going into the big day itself, Tuesday, December 25th. After that, it's a marathon of all the doctors, starting with Peter Capaldi, followed by Christopher Eccleston, David Tennant, and Matt Smith, leading straight into the New Year's special on Tuesday, January 1st. So, I wonder if it, that order means anything. Yeah, the order is interesting because it's Capaldi first, and then it goes in, in the correct order, Eccleston, Tennant, Smith, which actually has me wondering... If they kind of, that's a little disrespect to Capaldi. It's like they want to, they want to save the best for last, kind of leading up to the special, and they feel like Ooh. if they, if they put Capaldi at the end, they might lose viewers. I don't know. Huh? That's wow. You went there. I did. I mean, I love Capaldi, and I, you you loved him too. So I mean, yeah, it's not absolutely. coming from us. But I think there was a lot of criticism of his era of Doctor Who being kind of what lost them a lot of fans. So, uh, so I don't know. Maybe they, they kind of want to put him first and then and save the other ones for later. Is there any way that it could work out to be a timeline thing? No. Nah. Like, are there are there any? <laughs> <laughs> You're giving it too much credit. Okay, I'll just let that one go. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so that so basically, you have Christmas specials all day, Christmas Eve. And then you have um, a Doctor Who marathon pretty much the entire next week leading up to the uh, up to New Year's. So what we lose is the Christmas special. What we gain is a like nonstop Doctor Who for an entire week before New Year's. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, hey, I'm all about the marathons that they do. It's always it's always fun to know that there's a bunch of people gathering around watching the same episodes. Um, and in a long and extended format. So I'll have to try to line up, um, my, some of my watching with the way that the episodes air, but wait, there's more. <laughs> the all new episode is written by Chris Chibnall. Who else would he let? Right? <laughs> of, course, um, of course. And directed by Wayne Yip of preacher and Dirk Gently's holistic De- De- detective agency fame. Have you seen Ooh. either of those shows? I have watched Dirk's Gently, and I was very sad when that got canceled. Yes, Dirk Gently, I actually never really watched it other than I, I was at New York Comic Con. I believe it was a couple years ago when that show first uh, came out, and they showed the, the entire first episode at New York Comic Con, and it's the only time I've seen it. And I actually thought it looked really cool. Oh. Elijah Wood, right? Yeah, um, it was it was good and quirky and very odd and very intense at some moments. And it almost felt like a rated R Doctor Who. It, it, honestly, like that's not far from it. Yeah, not far from it. And then Preacher is another show um, that's super quirky and violent. And yeah, so maybe that's a you know if that whoever the guy who's directing this special is the guy who did those shows so maybe that's a, a hint at, to what we might be able to expect wow um, i have no idea how that would work <laughs> yeah but it does say it says as the new years begin a terrifying evil is stirring from across the centuries of earth's history will the doctor ryan graham and yaz be able to overcome this threat to planet earth huh 
or are the aliens actually just misunderstood and really good people? No, that's I made that last part up. Um, nice. <laughs> um, then there's a couple quotes here. Showrunner Chris Chibnall said, We're thrilled to be starting the new year with a bang as Jodie Whittaker's doctor and friends face a terrifying alien threat in an action-packed hour-long special for all the family. Adam, I am ready for a terrifying alien threat for Doctor Who this season. Oh, terrifying alien threat. But are we just going to blow past the fact that Chris Chibnall, uh, showrunner, just called them friends and not companions? Nope. I think I think that's standard. I'm noticing now that everyone's calling them friends in, yep. the, in the production side of things. Yeah. Yep. So, um, And then this is the last part. Uh, Courtney Tomasa, executive director of BBC America, said Jodie Whittaker and the dynamic new team have propelled Doctor Who to become TV's fastest-growing scripted series of the year. We can't think of a better holiday gift to the fans than a week-long marathon of Doctor Who Christmas specials and fan-favorite episodes leading into 2019. With new traditions and our first ever Who's Year or Who Year's Day special. Um, <laughs> So they're gonna try really hard to make that a thing, aren't they? Who Year's they're, Day? They're, I don't. I, I can't do it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna call it that. Who Year's Day? I feel like we're <laughs> something out of Dr. Seuss at that point. Hashtag Who Year's Day? Who Year's Day? Um. So Happy I don't know. Who Years? Everything I'm reading here, I I like. I I I like the marathon. I like all the Christmas specials. Uh, you know, on Christmas Eve, I think I'm gonna pop that up on my TV. Maybe not sit and watch everything in a lot of detail, but I'll have it on in the background. Um, it'll be a cool, it'll be a cool thing to have on in the background for Christmas Eve. And, you know, I like the idea of, of this nonstop, you know, week long Doctor Who leading up into the special. I think it's really cool. I'm sad that we lost a Christmas special, but I think that everything else and even the description of the episode sounds really interesting. So I'm excited for this. Yeah. And it, honestly, like as you read through that, it is on point marketing I, what they're trying to do with hey this is the perfect time to jump in but they don't want to necessarily neglect everything that's come before it so they're giving you the chance to get caught up on all the past christmas specials past doctors and then you can jump back in with whitaker um i mean we already mentioned the whole idea of their friends not companions i mean everything seems so on point with how they're approaching the new series with how they're marketing the new series um it's the fastest growing scripted tv show it's good marketing what does um, that mean fa- i yeah fastest i have growing i have i have no idea i mean <laughs> we could look at the ratings and we could look at the the viewership if i think though we might see that they've gone down since the first episode that they watched so i don't know if it's necessarily growing um that's kind of what i was wondering did it mean that their ratings are getting higher with each um each episode which i would i would have a hard time believing um so i don't know how they're spinning that fast yeah, growing I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but it's it's on point marketing. Um, so hey, I'm I'm stoked to see who who's year, the who year special. Who um, who <laughs> Say years. right, it's who years, not whose year. <laughs> okay, okay, we'll, we'll we'll get there. I got a couple, I got a couple weeks to to get on point with that one. Uh, so yes, that is cool news. Um, and. But we are actually here to review the latest episode of Doctor Who, which is Series 11, Episode 6. So can I, can I say something real quick here? Yeah. Series versus season. This is frustrating to me. Ah, uh, don't get frustrated. Embrace because it. Because 
I know, but I get that technically we're supposed to be calling it Series 6, right? Or Series 11. Yeah, yep. But that is a very, I think that's a very UK thing. Because in in the U.S. we call uh, it a new season, yep. But when we use the term series, we're referring to the entirety of the show. Yeah. So that's where I start to get a little mixed up with this because I'm like, well, I don't want to call it the series because then it's like, well, where, what am I referring to? Am I referring to the entirety of Doctor Who? <laughs> so I like to use the U.S. terminology, <laughs> uh, but I notice that you're saying series now, and I'm saying season. So yeah, I essentially we're we're serving both sides of the aisle. Yeah, it's so all good. Apologize. We can get along. If we can get along with it, then our listenership can People get along. People know with what it. we mean. Um, <laughs> Adam is technically correct. I am stubbornly incorrect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, so for any listeners that get really annoyed that we're not consistent with that, it's going to just keep happening. Moving on, series eleven, episode six. Uh, this is this is demons of Punjab. And this is all about, this is all about, well, I would say all about, this is a lot about Yaz and Yaz's family. Um, this one was actually written by Vinay Patel, which is the first episode of the series that, see, look, I'm, I'm calling it series now. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first episode of the season that is not either written or co- co-written by Chris Chibnall. Yeah. I mean, hey, look at that. Look at that. Yes, uh, directed by Jamie Childs, and yeah, so this is this this episode starts out with Yaz. Once again, we're in Yaz's family's, uh, I guess, apartment, um, and her grandma is there. Um, so, did you get the impression that this is something that happened? This scene that we're seeing at the beginning is happening kind of in the timeline that we're in, or is this something that Yaz is remembering? before she has her conversation with the doctor with the broken watch and everything. Oh, snap. Um, I have totally just viewed that as being within the timeline. Okay. Um, am I wrong there? No, I don't. I think okay. it's left up to interpretation. I got the impression that she was kind of remembering this this thing with her grandma, and then she's on the TARDIS with the doctor and was like, hey, I have this, you know, I want to go see my grandma. Um but yeah, I mean the show is definitely jumping around and they we've we've talked about multiple times about how they mention another adventure but they don't really get into a lot of detail about what happens. So we're not seeing kind of a this adventure happens and then it leads right to this, leads right to this like there's there's other things going on and we really don't know what the passage of time is, how long they've been with the doctor at this point. It could have yeah. they could have been with the doctor for months to a year at this point for all we know. Oh, absolutely. And I've I've pretty much given up hope of having a consistent timeline. I'm I've given up hope of like getting that cliffhanger of you see something, it ends, and then the very next episode picks up where you left off or very nearly to where you left off. I mean, they're talking about killer turtles. Um That's awesome. and I I, I want to see the episode no with idea. the killer turtles turtles. I know, right? Right? But yeah, I've given up hope that we're going to get that nice, consistent timeline that we might have seen in some instances in past series. Yeah, I think it's fun. I th- I, th- I feel like it's almost a, a thing, quote-unquote thing, for this Doctor that they're always going to mention some other event that happened. Because they, they feel like they've done it almost every episode at this point where they're like, oh, and then we were, we were at this place, or remember that, or I'm sorry about that. Like, 
Um, yeah, I think that's a thing for the 13th doctor. Oh yeah. I, it definitely, it definitely feels like that. Um, and that's, that's cool. I mean, it, it definitely opens the door for possibilities. They can really go anywhere. I think it does occasionally leave me feeling a little bit disjointed. Um, I mentioned that with our last ep- with the last episode, um, and just how that one seemed like it could have just fallen anywhere and there wasn't really any strong ties to anything in particular. I didn't quite get that same feeling with this one, um, but it definitely feels like we are going to get more episodes more often than not that are just dropped anywhere within a timeline and we're left to kind of pick up the pieces. Yeah. So Yaz's grandma is notable in that she is the first woman to be to have been married in Pakistan. <laughs> I definitely stopped for a second and was like, wait, how, how, how does that work? Um, the episode explains it, but I thought maybe it was just a funny grandparent joke. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was kind of like a, a throwaway line there at the beginning. And then it obviously becomes like the, the entire core of the story really is, is that event. But, um, it was pretty interesting. Uh, Yaz's grandmother does not like Yaz's sister, just like the rest of us. <laughs> so, no hiding that fact not her favorite <laughs> no uh, i actually i actually thought that was really funny that she said she's like yeah it's my favorite granddaughter <laughs> it's like wow. yeah <laughs> no filter grandma no filter yeah uh, but they introduce the broken watch and then that kind of leads to the doctor and yaz having this conversation on the tardis where yaz is like i want to go see my grandmother um even if we can just go for just like an hour, I just want to see her. And then this, and the doctor is hemming and hawing about, oh, I probably shouldn't, but I kind of want to, and this would be whatever. So um, this introduces the idea of is it is it okay for the doctor to um to take that type of a risk? Because if you're bringing if you're bringing Yaz to meet her grandmother and Yaz messes something up in that timeline, Yaz could literally um, t- kind of wipe herself out of existence. Yeah. So is it irresponsible for the doctor to frivolously travel through time? That is, the, that is the conundrum that I, that's, that's what kind of had me thinking when I'm watching this episode is, uh, is this a, a sign of, the doctor being a bit irresponsible. Well, I mean, if, if we stop and take a look at the bigger picture, I mean, anytime the doctor travels into the past, she can blink anyone out of existence at any point in time. She could bring people into existence by not allowing people to blink out of existence at any given point in time. It's just in these instances, we're familiar with the people that have the potential to have their life and future messed up. Um, that's, it's the whole butterfly effect, right? If a butterfly flaps its wings, it creates whatever it is, like currents around the world. Um, if the doctor goes back in time and sneezes in one direction, she could wipe out an entire population. Um, but it just she, so happens. I feel, I feel like the do- that Doctor Who's one of those time travel shows where it's almost introduced the idea of certain events are just going to happen. And, <laughs> I mean, it's fixed, right? Right. There's six points it. in time, right? They've said that before. They said it this episode. And so I think that – I don't think the butterfly effect um, applies to Doctor Who, actually. I don't think the Doctor or any of her companions could step on a butterfly and change the entirety of the future. 
I think no. that the future or time tends to course correct in that. And you've never really seen the doctor do something that, that had a major impact on, on the future. So, I mean, even if, I mean, even going as far as saying the time war and how different that ended up turning out than what we were believed to had happened, essentially you could say the doctor went back in, in their forms, their multiple forms to make a major change, but it didn't really affect the future. Right. Or did it? But it well, it, well, it definitely yeah, impacted yeah. some people's future, right? There's some people that were alive in Doctor Who on Gallifrey that weren't alive prior to the Doctor stepping in, right? Or is that how it always happened? See, exactly. now this is where you get into the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So, we shouldn't so, even go down this. We shouldn't even go down this <laughs> rabbit trail because that's when you just get into the whole time paradox and like, is that just how it always happened? Was Yaz always there at her grandma's wedding? You know, like. <laughs> That's yeah. Okay. Well, stop. at the end, the grandma <laughs> definitely doesn't remember Yaz being there. So that's, that's one thing that I'm a little unsure about, but, but I was never too worried. I guess just what I'm, my point is I was never worried that they were going to do something that was going to suddenly wipe Yaz out of existence. I mean, how does that even work? Is like the, the, um, the back to the future kind of method where suddenly you just start to fade away. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it just seems like that would just be silly. So I didn't, I never, I was never in fear for Yaz, but all the but the doctor did say a couple times to Yaz, like, be careful, you know, because you could wipe yourself out of existence. Yeah. And I so in our conversations that we've had leading up to recording and just after watching the show, I I continue to come back in my mind to Eccleston's episode of Father's Day. And it's like there is the potential that you can make changes to the past that impact the future. But then there, and forgive me, I forget their, their actual name, but there's those giant creepy creatures that fly in to fix the paradox, right? They fly in to make sure that nothing happens to the time stream. Like that to me is the biggest threat in, in episodes like this, that something will happen. And then all of a sudden these creatures will show up and start zapping people out of existence, trying to fix the wound in time. Um, that's, Which was so, that's such a weird thing that Doctor Who did. I'm glad oh, that they. I'm glad that they didn't, you know, kind of revisit those rules. Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, this was more just a straight up, hey, let's just be careful what we do and let's not make any changes. Um, a little bit different than what we got with Rosa, where they did go back in time and then they they realized they were part of the event and they had to, um, they had to actually affect the timeline in order to make it happen. Oh yeah. Completely different than this, where they were basically like, let's just stay out of the way and just let it happen the way it's going to happen anyways. But they didn't, I don't, I can't pick out anything that they did while they were there that changed any events. They, they didn't have to make sure certain thing happened in order for them to get married. They, I think everything would have happened just as it did if the doctor showed up or not. Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree. The one thing that I continue to, like, I, I struggle with in my mind is that in Rosa, they are a part of the event. Like, they are on the bus when it takes place. In this one, they are present at the wedding. I mean, in that matter, the doctor is the one that marries them. So I guess we could say if the doctor didn't show up, who was going to marry them? The 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 holy man was killed. So they are a part of it, but yet 
that's not necessarily ever called out or recognized to the extent that it was in Rosa. Huh. Interesting. That is a good point that the doctor is the one that ended up marrying them. I guess that is the one thing that um, maybe was the need for the doctor to be there. So, hmm. okay. Yeah. I feel like we just got to the meat of everything right in the first 10 minutes, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about the rest too. There's more uh, to unpack. Yeah. Um, all right. So they, so the telepathic time travel with the TARDIS is actually something that's been introduced pretty recently. That is not, that is not like a typical thing that the TARDIS was doing before, I believe Capaldi. I was going to say, it's a Clara thing, right? I think it's a Clara 12th doctor thing. So um, interesting to kind of pull that in and, and use that with this doctor. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say it makes sense, but I guess it's all made up. So how much sense could it really make? But it works. It works in the episode um, because it was already brought up previously. It was one of those things that just kind of, as it came up in the episode, I just kind of accepted it and moved on and thought, hey, this is really cool. We can just take this random object from history and put it in and it's able to take us to where it has been. Yeah. So, yeah. So does this open up a... Does this open up a whole can of worms for the rest of the companions? Oh, like, hey, I have this item that can you can you take me to this place or I would I would straight up be visiting museums like I would be knocking over museums just to grab random items to take them back to the TARDIS because it seems like the doctor kind of as a rule has a hard time landing in very specific places in time unless now they use this whole psychic tool, which seems to land them right where they need to go. So maybe that's yeah. just the way the doctor should always travel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it makes sense. If they want to go in the past, have an item. Yes. Um, so, so we do end up um, in we and we end up in India in, in a time period where it's just about a big event is about to happen, and it's the partition of India on the seventeenth of August, nineteen forty-seven, when they actually. Uh, announced the the border and kind of created Pakistan from India. Yeah. Which I have to admit, I wasn't super aware of this historical event. I'm, I'm with you. That's, it's one of those things that I think had come up at some point in time, <laughs> but it's one of those lost pieces of pieces of history um, in my mind that is just like, wow, I, I really haven't had this called out all that much in front of me. So it was cool in my opinion to, to see a little bit more about that and gain a little bit more understanding of, um, two pretty major countries. Yeah. And in this, we had talked about, uh, Rosa, that episode kind of having some serious, um, overtones and this episode did as well because it gets into, uh, lines between countries. It gets into lines between religion and what caused a lot of, uh, fighting when this when this border was made and there was actually a lot of violence that happened because of it and you know they they that was kind of a central theme of this episode is to kind of point that stuff out they didn't shy away from it when when they had to talk about even the differences uh, between the Hindu religion and the Muslim religion and how these families that were so close together ended up being separated because of of this partition yeah, I mean, one thing that the doctor calls out, um, she says, riding in the cities, tens of millions of people about to be displaced, more than a million about to die. Um, and it's it's one of those things that when you stop and you think about that number, that 
at this point in time in history, more than a million people um, are impacted. Their, their lives are, are, are no longer um, because of this change. It puts it into perspective. And yeah, the episode didn't, didn't hide that. Like they call back to that multiple times of how big of a point in history this was. I mean, it, it was the, the core of the episode. It was the drying driving conflict of the episode. And they kind of boiled it down. Like kind of this larger conflict was boiled down to a specific family in Yaz's grandma. Um, and, and the man she was going to marry, whose whose name was Prem, and then his brother Manish Man- was was there as well. So you have Yasmin's family who who are Muslim, and at this time they would have been displaced into Pakistan. Yeah. And then you have you have Prem's family who were Hindu, and they would have been staying in India. And so, but Prem and and Yasmin's grandma, and I keep saying Yasmin's grandma because I can't remember what her name is. Umbreen. Umbreen. Uh, Prem and Umbreen were gonna were gonna get married, and they didn't. Them two personally didn't care about the differences, but there were members of their families that did care. And so, it was yeah, kind of like the reality of the situation all boiled down into one family situation. The 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 classic star crossed love star crossed lovers who, despite differences or different backgrounds and traditions and religions forsake all for love. So Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet. Um, but Prem is the wrong guy, right? Because he's not, <laughs> he is not actually Yaz's grandfather. So it's kind of Yaz is Surprise. really confused when she, when she meets this guy and that's who's marrying her grandma. And she's like, wait, this can't be happening because that's not my granddad. Um, so. To, to the point where she she even struggles. I mean, she calls out like you you're saying that my grandma had a secret Hindu first husband. Yeah. Like she even struggles with the differences at the very start of the episode. Um, it's one of those things that just doesn't register in her mind. Right. So uh, we are we are introduced to what is to be believed as the the bad guys or the villains of the show of this episode, which were. Um, these demons, what they were, they kept calling demons, uh, which were actually Thajarian aliens. Yeah. Um, tell, so tell me about what you thought of how they looked. Um, I mean, I thought they looked very typical Doctor Who kind of um, costumes. <laughs> they, it's kind of like the, I guess Doctor Who is, it kind of always has that look about about these these characters that tend to be a little bit almost over the top and cheesy but i think it's like purposeful they always have really big heads yeah it's like just big rubber suits uh that they definitely fit in with the doctor who motif if you're used to that you're kind of like okay it doesn't look any worse than uh than a lot of different doctor who villains (laughs) Um, zygarians are are a lot worse i thought they looked somewhat creepy i mean they looked like giant bat things with yeah, tusks they had a menacing look about them their eyes the tusks but i just feel like if they had kind of shrunk it all down toned it to, down just a hair. yeah just you know do like makeup on 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 a character as opposed to being a giant like head piece like a mascot <laughs> so gotcha but they did like they looked like your typical you know villains and they are you know were first encountered 
where they're basically, it's believed that they had killed the holy man who was supposed to marry them. So it was like, okay, these are the bad guys. We have no reason to not think that they're the bad guys. And they kept that up for quite a bit of the episode. It's not until much later in the episode that it's revealed that things are not quite what they seem. And if, if, if they were the bad guys, they, they're menacing. That's the way that they can kind of zap in and zap out and you can't really touch them. They moved faster than the bullet from the, the rifle. That's the doctor couldn't get close. And they had all these transmat locks that were zapping people other places. And you couldn't get close to where, where they had their residence. That's, they would be a menacing opponent. And essentially they've, according to the doctor's story, they've trained and trained and trained and basically turned themselves into the best assassins that there are. Right. Like the doctor says, she's never actually encountered them, but she's only ever heard about them um, or she knew about them. So she knew that there were these assassins, the best assassins in the galaxy. And so it would make sense that they showed up and killed this holy man. And then a lot of this story is them trying to, you know, find out what's going on. So they actually find the ship. They find the, uh, the demon's lair, quote unquote. Um, but what turns out to be the spaceship and kind of hack it a little bit and see, okay, who's, you know, why is this guy a target? We need to figure out everything we can about them. The doctor steals their canister of human remains, um, which she doesn't really know what it is at the time. She thinks (laughs) that it might be some kind of poison. So yeah, they, they, they are very much this intimidating, like you said, they're very intimidating and the doctor doesn't necessarily seem to know how to deal with them at least right away. Yeah, and that that seems to be the doctor is running into a lot of things that she has heard of but hasn't ever encountered before this series. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but she's she. I think she's still got that whole faux confidence. Oh, can, absolutely. You can tell she's kind of she's kind of scared and doesn't really know. But then at the same time, she's like still cocky and kind of gets right up in the in their face too. She's got she's got the whole doctor making it up on the spot, cleverest person in the room, but in a different variety than what we've seen before. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. So the the Jaren, the 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 Jarian Hive is uh, these guys, and I mean, really like to cut to it. I mean, they're we find out they're not actually what you think. <laughs> they. <laughs> This is where I get a little disappointed in this episode because I felt like we we had done this enough times this season where it's like what you think is bad is not actually bad and that there's there there's a reason why they're doing what they're doing and I I thought it's like it's been done maybe one too many times now in this season so it kind of lost me when they then when they went there I was just like oh really okay so so I agree. Like it does feel like things are getting a little bit cookie cutter um, in regards to expectations. You kind of place it and then it's like, oh, wait, nope, fooled us again. Um, it, it's actually just a misunderstanding or the humans are the bad ones. But looking at the episode, uh, the episodes that we've had so far, the woman who fell to earth was the villain, the villain. Yes. Okay, so one, Ghost Monument. Was the villain the villain? 
I guess the real question is, what was the villain? Was there a villain? Yeah, that episode was, was a little a bit villain? different in that there really wasn't a, a villain per se. I mean, there was definitely some some bad acting characters, but there wasn't kind of a main core villain. Okay, bad acting characters. Not that the acting was bad, but that there were people acting in a bad way. Yes. yes. Okay, cool. Rosa. Bad, bad guy was bad. Okay. Uh, arachnids in the UK. That's where it started. It's, it's yes. literally, and that's the thing. It's not, it's literally been the last three episodes. Right? Yes. Yep. It, it is. It is definitely the last three episodes. That is where we hit this idea of whatever the bad thing is, wait 30 minutes and it's different. Right. Yeah. And so you have the arachnids where the spiders weren't actually bad. They were misunderstood. You have the Pating, who same thing. He wasn't really bad. He was just he's just hungry. He was hangry. And, yeah, and then you have um, these guys who were because the spiders. You kind of you kind of picked up on it pretty early on that the main bad guy was actually the hotel mogul, and, and the spiders weren't really out to hurt anyone. I mean, you kind of picked up on that early on with the doctor talking to the spider and yeah. and all of that. Um, and then with the Pating, kind of the same. I mean, it was this cute little creature that accidentally killed Athos or Ostos or whatever the guy's name was. And you even got kind of, even early on with that, I felt like, okay, maybe this thing's not out to kill everyone. Yeah. Um, but these guys, I felt like they really played into the fact that they, you know, they really made it look like they killed uh, the holy man. And then there's even a line where they say, you must leave or we will stand over your corpses. Yeah. Yep. It's like, okay, guys. <laughs> If you're, Good point. Good point. If you're well-meaning aliens that you're just here because it's revealed that they're just there to pay respect to these to different people as they die and to kind of watch over them. And if that's what they're there for, how hard would that have been for them to just kind of like the first time that they interact with the doctor, just be like, yo, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. We're cool. Like we're here. We're just going to help out. Like we're just here to witness a death. Don't be all creepy about it and like we're going to stand over your corpses. They're not no used wonder. to talking to people. They're, they're, <laughs> they're used to only dealing with dead people. They're never seen by anybody. They don't know how to – they're socially awkward, okay? That's another theme of this series of Doctor Who. Aliens are socially awkward. I like – I actually like movies and TV shows where there's a gotcha moment where they where you got tricked as a, as a viewer. I don't like it when they cheat. <laughs> and this – I feel like that's cheating. You know, you, you there was no reason for us to think that these guys weren't killing, and they and when they talk when they say they're going to stand over your corpses, I mean that's like right there. The doctors like, okay, these guys are bad, and then in the end they're like, oh, we're actually not bad, and we're like, well, then why did you say the whole corpses thing? That's a, that's a writer's cheat. <laughs> well, in in those moments that you have a gotcha, the the ones that I I enjoy are the ones that are truly gotchas. Ne none of these three have ever been really set up all that well to really play off the, the, the switch at the final moment or the gotcha. Like all of them have been pretty much, I mean, they've, there's been tells the entire time. So yeah, I'm with you. That's these last three. I'm ready for us to get out of that, that rut of broadcasting. Hey, whatever you think, it's not really that. And it's what you kind of expect towards the end. Yeah, I think I'm just ready for, and I, because we get plenty of it. I'm not saying that there's not any other Doctor Who. I mean, there's been plenty of the modern series across all the Doctors where there have been the same type of storytelling, where there is a misunderstood alien or misunderstood creature 
that is not actually hurting anyone and they and they need to help you know this creature or whatever it's happened a ton. oh yeah river it's, tames <laughs> yeah it's it's it, it is it is a, a very it's a storytelling device that dr hughes is a lot but i think this season it just feels like they did three episodes in a row that were kind of like that and so it's like i'm ready I'm actually ready for the doctor to just like take somebody out. <laughs> like, I'm just I'm ready for the doctor for them just to face off against some crazy evil alien entity that just has no goodwill for anyone, and that the doctor just needs to take it out. You know, it doesn't have to be always this like, oh, let's not hurt anything. And like, even the like we had said, even the ones that in the first few episodes that were straight up villains they still kind of just dispatched of them you know in a pretty safe way yeah i mean that's pretty much what we're seeing this series either you're a villain that just kind of disappears there's no resolution there just you're gone or you're not really a villain and it's just misunderstood like those are the two categories that we have right now in doctor who yes across six episodes yeah so it's like give us something different i want a real threat i want something that feels like it's threatening i i feel like we haven't gotten that yet i we have four episodes left there's there's gonna be one in the mix there's the, gonna be one there the closest i felt like was um threatening was tim shaw and even that was like the doctor literally was just joking on his name you know so <laughs> it just didn't feel i haven't felt like across the entirety of of this season of doctor who that there's been a very threatening a villain and i'm ready for a threatening villain yeah i mean we haven't gotten anything that has threatened like we've we got a lot of instances in previous series of doctor who where it was like a global threat or at least like a city-wide threat tim shaw running after one person ghost monument the earth was never in peril whatsoever it was just a giant race rosa okay history could have been changed but it revolved around one person again and arachnids in the uk is probably the closest one we get where there's just massive spiders everywhere um but not like this global domination type thing no and they were really i mean from the viewer's perspective mostly confined to a hotel yeah we didn't really get to see the full extent we saw it in one apartment in a hotel it wasn't like we saw them crawling up the side of buildings in london so that would have been something that would have been that would have been i would have turned it off that would have been a tenant episode <laughs> like <laughs> um, but yeah so there there's there's more to come we are pretty late in the season at this point uh only four episodes left and then you have the the new year's eve special which i believe just based on the description that we're reading for the new year's eve special that sounds like a pretty pretty uh big adversary that's coming the doctor's way so that could be what we're waiting for that would be that would be one way to ring in the who year. <laughs> uh, I did it. It's good stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Don't don't even don't humor me. <laughs> uh, we did get a we we talk about in the past nice moments between characters. There's been there's been a lot of Graham Ryan moments. There's been some Yaz uh, Ryan moments. This episode gave us a nice Graham Yaz moment. Yeah, it did. I I really I really like the Graham Graham is like exceeding all expectations I had for his character at the beginning of the series. Yes, Graham is awesome. I love Graham. Um he gives a lot, he gives very good 
of, I, I guess you could call it fatherly advice or maybe like a really, really uh, nice uncle. Yeah, that's, he, I don't know. He provides just that like stop and ponder that perspective that while the doctor is busy doing stuff, Graham is there to just give that moment of perspective. Yeah. And they're all just basically up for anything at this point. Graham is not. I, I kind of thought at the beginning of the season that they were painting Graham as the the careful you know, character that's going to be like, oh, I don't know if we should do this. Uh, and I think that's kind of the way he came across in the first episode. But not now they're all just kind of like, even when Yaz is like, oh, I want to go see my grandma. And the doctor's like, oh, maybe we shouldn't. And then the, it was almost like Ryan and Graham were like trying to convince the doctor, like, yeah, let's just do it. Why not? Yeah, yeah. I, it's it, it makes me want to go back and watch the very first episode again and just skip right to the funeral scene and just listen to what Graham says, because it, it seems like that idea of just living every moment to its fullest and stop worrying. He really takes it to heart. And basically, like from that moment forward, he is different. Yes. Yeah. Um, And we had talked about. Did we? Did I say something about Twice Upon a Time? No, you haven't. About how the that. doctor kind of thought that the they were bad too, and it was the same thing. They were just there to like take in people's memories. Yeah, the witness. We haven't yeah. brought them up. Yeah. So the witness. I thought that was very similar in to what was happening in this episode, and um, considering how recent that was. Yeah was, it was it like, makes hey. me wonder about the timeline. Like, did. Did this episode was this episode already written before that episode was written? Because I know that Christmas special, it seemed like it was kind of, if I remember correctly, that one was like rushed, where it was, hey, we need something, we don't have anything. Oh, this will work. Like, I wonder what what the timeline is. Like, who thought of the idea of having an alien or future species acting as witness for people who are dying? Like. Who who thought of that? Right. Yeah. Who? Which came first, this episode or the other? Uh, I, I mean, they probably. You're probably right. I mean, Chibnall, if he had, if he was already kind of in the know that he was going to be the showrunner at this point, which I'm sure he was, he was probably writing down all kinds of ideas for the season and may had already may have already kind of come up with the concept for this episode before before Twice Upon a Time ever aired. But it does seem like a very similar story. Oh, it it it's it's not that it seems similar. It is like on the nose. Yeah, I like, mean the the details surrounding it are different, but the motivations of of the aliens are are pretty much the same. Oh, absolutely. The misunderstood There's, aliens. Um, yep. Yeah, give it to <laughs> to Yaz's family and um and this couple that's going to get married. That they, I mean, they had this border things going on. They have demon aliens showing up and they're just like no we're still gonna get married like this is not <laughs> delaying i don't know what the hurry was it was kind of like well what what would be the issue if you just wait a little bit yeah i mean they it was all about i mean one time at one point umbreen asks like how much time do we have and i think the doctor says like 18 hours tops or something like that and she's like tonight we party tomorrow we marry first thing in the morning and it's like what what is what is the rush other than they didn't know who the demons were but outside of that why were they rushing so much just to get married yeah 
I mean, we know kind of from the, the viewer's perspective that it was important that they get married quickly because then Prem was going to, he was going to die. Yeah. And, but they didn't know that. So for all they knew, they could have just run off together and be like, all right, let's, let's make sure we're safe. Right. Let's, you know, wherever the, the line was drawn, they can decide which side of it they're going to live on. And then just let's make sure we're safe. And then we'll, when things calm down, we'll get married. But there was, there did seem to be this major urgency, but not a lot of reasoning behind the urgency. Yeah. Can we, can we talk about that moment where Prim dies? Are we at that point where we can talk about that moment just yet? Sure. We can jump to that. Oh man, that gutted me. Absolutely gutted me. I think the strength of this episode, um, because I'll just say it right now, this is, this wasn't really my favorite episode of the season. I found it kind of boring and I found, um, the story to be a little bit weak just because of some of the similarities to what, what we were saying from twice upon a time and just how similar kind of the whole misunderstood aliens. And we just gotten that two episodes in a row. So I was kind of like, at this point, I'm just like, okay, and I was a bit bored with the episode, but there were some really shining moments. And I think the, one of the strengths of this episode was, individual moments and the acting in those moments. Oh, heck yes. And I think that whole scene, that standoff where he's standing there, his, and his brother has led this group, this mob basically over there, um, knowing that it could cause, you know, death and destruction to his family. And that whole dynamic was, it was very, it was gut wrenching. So there was some moments where it, that was stand out. Um, but overall the episode was, was one of the weaker ones for me. The actor, the actor who played Prim, like major props to him throughout the episode. He was, he was all over the place when it comes to emotion. And then he would have these moments of just quiet reflection and the way that they set up visually that scene between Prim, Manish and the mob essentially it like it is it is strikingly beautiful um the way that they show it at a distance and you have the sun and you have the hills and the field and it's it looks pretty but then the the exchange the emotion on prim's face it it is hard to watch that scene it it was not comfortable in those moments it was another episode rosa did it to me this episode i don't think i have teared up so much during any series of Doctor Who more than I have this one. It is like the, these two episodes were absolute gut punches. Um, and then just the doctor's reaction, like during this scene that killed. Yeah. Knowing that they couldn't really intervene. Um, and I, I can't remember cause we did talk a lot pre-show before we started recording. So I don't know if we talked about this pre-show or if we talked about this, but did you, um, we were kind of talking about like if that was tenant in that situation, he would have been like, screw this. I'm going to go and stop it. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, we didn't talk about that on the recording. So, okay. Um, I think, I, I think that's, it's an interesting situation for the doctor to be in because I think there are times where the doctor breaks their own rules about intervening in certain moments. And even sometimes a, a companion will convince the doctor. So, um, the fires of Pompeii, you yeah. Know, the doctor's like, we can't save anybody. We just got to let it happen and leave. And she's like, we can't even save this one family. Like, and, and then she, he does, he ends up saving Capaldi. He, yeah. he saves him, his future self. But <laughs> so, 
there's definitely moments that the doctor makes an exception, but when in this situation, it's almost like the doctor's hands were tied mostly because if she had changed events, it could have actually impacted one of her companions. It wasn't just these complete strangers that they met and they're like, you know what, let's just intervene and save this guy's life because they don't, they don't know who in the future it's going to affect. But because she knew that Yaz was connected, it was almost like, okay, I can't break my own rules at this point because, yeah. because of my companion. Right. Because, because the whole episode, it's basically the unfurling and somewhat the uncertainty of is Prim really the, the first husband of Umbreen and what happens to him and all the stuff. And then we find out he dies at the end and that free that frees up. That's a horrible way to put it. But Umbrain is then able to move to Sheffield and get married. And then that's where Yaz comes from. So if nothing were to happen to Prim and Umbrain and Prim were to stay married the entire time, Yaz would have never been in existence. So yeah, I think that does have an impact on it. But I think the, the, the Jiren, that's how we say it, right? Yeah the Jerians, I think they have an impact on it as well because like they're, they're standing there watching the doctor, Yaz, Ryan, Graham are standing there watching. And then all of a sudden they pop up in front of the, the Jerians pop up in front of the doctor and they're like, we'll take it from here and basically block the view. And so if the doctor were going to try anything, I'm pretty sure they would have stopped her. Um, they're the ones that said earlier in the episode, like the fixed force of time cannot be stopped. Um, but as we were talking about prior to starting the recording, I I can't help but think that like Tennant would have been like, forget that. Like I'm I'm stepping in or even Capaldi. I mean, so many times it seemed like Capaldi stepped in and screwed things up. Like he tore Clara out of her own time stream. So it's like Capaldi and Tennant, it just seems like they would have done something different than Whitaker, but Whitaker walks away and she probably has darn good reasons. One of them being Yaz. Yeah. And I think the, the consistent thing, and maybe someone can prove me wrong with an example that I'm not thinking of, but the consistent thing is the doctor tends to only break the rules. If it has a direct impact on one, one of the companions. Um, the only reason he saved the people on, in the fires of Pompeii was because of his companion. The only reason <laughs> yep. he broke his his rules with uh, Clara is to save Clara's life. Yeah, you know, there there have been examples where the Doctor has definitely broken the rules, but it's always been to save the life of or to do something good for a companion. I don't Unless know. Unless it's Danny Pink. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he didn't like Danny that much. I don't know. <laughs> um, but. I don't think that there's ever really been an example of the doctor going out of their way to change history to save complete strangers. Yeah. Which no, is I've, not I've, necessarily good on the doctor, if you think about it. I, it's like kind I, of selfish. The doctor you, makes selfish decisions. You're not wrong. I mean, look at the start of the uh, Saranga conundrum. I mean, that was the true heart of the doctor coming out there. Yeah, she was willing to... A sacrifice uh, patient's health just to go back and get her TARDIS. So, yeah. The doctor lies and the doctor is selfish. That's another rule, I guess. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, the, the one thing we kind of skipped over that we should probably talk about before we wrap up is the actual uh, wedding ceremony. Yeah. Um, the doctor did have 
a, a, a little a bit of a monologue there i think you could give her monologue status uh talking about the, them and uh talking about the couple and their love and how they're the i forget how she worded it but it's kind of like you're the most powerful people in the world you may even be the most powerful people in the universe in this moment yeah which i thought was nice um you know pull those pull those vows and use them in your wedding that i honestly like you that is that is a solid solid um wedding speech that she gave like yeah how many how it, many Hoovians now who are going to get married you know this year or soon are de- are just going to pull that straight out of there and use it as their their vowels or have the have whoever's doing the ceremony say that say those words oh i mean forget that like if you watch the episode like i would i would write that in every wedding card from this point forward like D- don't even don't even reference it. Just start when, when Adam's it daughter it. when Adam's daughter gets married. Uh, the the keen listeners in the crowd will be like listening for this speech. <laughs> is he gonna do it? Love in all its forms is the most powerful weapon we have because love is a form of hope. There you go. I mean, we could go great. on. Yeah, it we could go on. So maybe I'm gonna give that best monologue status for for the thirteenth Doctor so far. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. At this point, that that takes it. Yeah. So, um, anything else? I I guess the other thing I'd say is I, um, you know, I, I've kind of already tipped my hand that this wasn't my favorite episode. I felt like the humor wasn't there as much in this episode. There were definitely a couple lines that kind of fell flat for me, like a couple jokes that didn't really land. Um, kind of like you had said. I know we had talked about the 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 Pating episode where you felt like some of the humor didn't really land for you. I think I, I felt the way that way in this episode, some of it felt a little forced. Some of it felt a little repeated, like the doctors kind of doing some of the same quirky things. And it's starting to, it's not that it's getting old, but it's like, okay. Um, they, they keep using some of the same jokes. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I, I can see it. I mean, there, there weren't anything that felt totally off. I mean, there was the one funny slash odd moment where she goes off on the the all the things that she needs to kind of break apart the yeah that part yeah yep yeah. the chemistry set thing yeah where I need oil really make water tree bark a saucepan nine containers an old newspaper a touch of oxbit a chicken poo and a biscuit and I thought that the the reason why she was doing that is because her sonic was broken so she needed to use you know use another way to figure it out. But yeah. then she still was using her Sonic um, while she was doing that, I noticed. So I was like, okay, that's not the reason. I think it was literally written into the show to be funny, and it didn't. That's that's a really good example of something that didn't land for me. Because I'm like, you have the Sonic. You can't just – that thing scanned apparently is like the best scanner in the world. You can't just hold it up to the powder and get the readings off of it. She said it was too complex. I know. It was It was, it was overloaded. There's a lot of effort put into that joke. <laughs> they were trying too hard. I don't know. Um, hopefully this is the most critical I will have to be, uh, of a doctor episode this season. This is probably, I'm going to say right now, this is probably my least favorite episode of the six. And I know, you know, we've, we have people in our Facebook group. We've been talking about this episode a little bit. We have people that really love this episode. I've heard really good things about this episode from, from people. So I know there's people out there that loved it and I give you, you know, you are, I give you all the credit in the world. But for me personally, this one kind of, it was a bit of a miss. It's definitely the low point of the season for me. See, I, I wouldn't say it's the low point of the season. I think, 
I mean, we we were absolutely spoiled with the first three episodes of the series. Um, I would put this above the Saranga conundrum, um, probably even with Arachnids, in in my opinion. Um, but the top the top three are still the top three interchangeable um, on any given day. So this wasn't this wasn't the low point of the series that said i i do understand some of the concerns and some of the points that people bring up um but to me it wasn't as bad as some people are making it out to be yeah i yeah i wouldn't put a bad label on this one but like i i had said earlier i was just a little bored by it and i don't want to i don't want to be bored by doctor who so i think you know (laughs) is there anything else that you want to talk about all i wanted to say is that i think i think once you mix the remains of a person's civilization with oxpit and chicken poo, I'm sorry does not cover it at that point. Like yeah. they were, they were super forgiving just to be like, Oh, there's no biggie. Let me just explain who you, who we are. That's and true. all the doctor says is I'm, I'm sorry. Like that, that was, that was horrible what she did in that moment. But that was like, you know what? Mo- that was like her desecrating the remains of Alderaan. Yeah, I mean, I mean, essentially, that's an entire an entire civilization, a world of people is bro- broken down into that powder, and she has the audacity to mix it with, with oxpit and chicken poo, and it's all covered by her saying, "I'm sorry, I didn't know." I'm so so sorry. <laughs> I'm so so sorry, I didn't know. <laughs> if only everything could be solved by saying, "I'm so so sorry, I didn't know." <laughs> okay, well, on that note. I think we're good to wrap this one up. Yep, we're good. We're good. All right, so you guys can always find our episodes on iTunes. You can leave us a review over there. Um, Thank you to those of you who have been leaving us reviews lately. We've gotten a few new ones. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at Bad Wolf Podcast. Uh, Facebook, Bad Wolf Radio. We have our Facebook group. Thanks, everybody, for um, participating in the group, and, and we've been talking about these latest episodes. A lot of good back and forth there. And you can find us on Instagram at Bad Wolf Radio. And until next time, live this moment and figure it out later.